Hey, y'all. Welcome to the People Purpose Podcast, the show that explores all of the ins and outs, challenges and opportunities of HR, people managers, and all people that face it every day at work. I am one of your co-hosts, Chaz Fields, and I am joined by my freshly haircutted colleague, <laughs> Julie Devlin. Chaz, I, I have a question. <laughs> I don't know. How often, how often when somebody, when you tell somebody your name and they have to write it, how often do they use a Z instead of an S? Every, every time. Every time. And, 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 and what's so, what's so frustrating about it is because I spell it with an S, right? Yeah. It's not frustrating anymore, but at one point in time it was when I was much younger. Uh, it was, is it Chas? Chas? And I just like, <laughs> I roll my eyes and I'm like, okay. Or Chase. Now Chase. <laughs> I discount a lot on that because there's no E at the end. Yeah. I can understand Chas, but Chase yeah. with yeah. no E. Okay. Yeah. Struggle with that. Uh, but Chas, and I'm like, no, I have no idea what my parents were thinking with the spelling. It's short <laughs> for Charles. Like, here we are. You know I mean, what I mean? I can just call you Chuck. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I have my, 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 <laughs> uh, my best friend growing up. That's what he calls me. There's a couple of people that call me Chuck and you're one of them. So, I know. And when, hey, when, and when I'm mad at you, I call you Charles. <laughs> 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 anyway, Chaz. <laughs> hi. <laughs> hi. Hey Jules, <laughs> tell me something good. My something good is really good. Um Ooh. so yeah, it's really good and it's kind of one of those feel good things. So my best friends of oh gosh, many many years who are like mm -hmm. family to me, been trying to have a baby for many years. Mm -hmm. I mean like 11. And oh, wow. um yeah, and uh all all they wanted to do was be parents and my and they Luckily, found an angel on earth who's a gestational surrogate. They oh, finally wow. had their baby last week, and um, that's awesome. little welcome to the world, Rocco. <laughs> little oh, Rocco, yeah. And congrats, shout out to Rocco. Congrats to Sarah and Rich. And oh, uh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I, that's, that's so cool. That's got to be my something good this week. Yeah, it has to. I mean, a baby changes everything, right? Oh, it and does. It's it's, uh, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, yeah. From, you know, so that's awesome. So and I get to meet him. him. I get to meet him in a few weeks, so I'm excited about that. So, so that'll be another something. You had two, another three, something. Yeah, good. that's yeah. Awesome. Just just wait, everyone. You'll hear that. That is something good soon. <laughs> Oh uh, man. So, um, my something good, it's, it's really kind of, um, you know, we, we talk about when you transition to adulthood, right? Like you transition to adulthood, instead of talking about all the fun things you did growing up, you talk about like appliances and like you talk about <laughs> mowing your yard. We've talked about that or painting walls, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, so my something good is we've started the process of potentially putting new floors in our house Oh, and you know, the, the riveting discussion of the design and color and all of that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm actually excited about it if I'm being honest. So <laughs> I would totally be excited yeah. about it. Floors, Why not? Floors are, floors are fun. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I told you, Chaz, the one time, the time that I knew I was an adult, I knew I had finally hit adulthood was many years ago and that I've aged myself, right? But many years ago when I got so excited to get a new vacuum, I was uh, so excited I, to get I, a new vacuum. I've been there. I've been there when we bought our first little like portable and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Right? I kid you not, for uh, four years ago at Christmas, I asked for uh, the vacuum that runs, like the automated vacuum that runs yeah. on its own. 
Yeah. I asked yeah. for that for Christmas because we, you know, we have Cooper who sheds like crazy. And right. just like, Cooper's this a is dog, what... by the way. Oh yeah. Yes. Cooper's a dog. He'll, <laughs> he'll make an appearance at some point if somebody rings the doorbell. So, um, okay. So, <laughs> um, Julie, so today, as always, um, mm-hmm. business stat of the day. Mm-hmm. And ironically, shout out to Molly, the intern. She did it again. Um, she's been great for research. In fact, uh, a little teaser for the next episode. Molly did the whole episode for us. Like she mm-hmm. did the framework. She did the discussion points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll carry it out on her behalf. But what a great project for her. And she's she's been phenomenal she's in, been awesome. in supporting you know us and UKG and the WFI. So business stat of the day, uh, procrastination. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> procrastination <laughs> comprises over a quarter of most people's working days, costing employers about $10,000 per employee per year. First response, Julie? That seems low. I, uh, I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, a, that's a medium, right? Like that's right, a, that's a medium. right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's many, many factors that um, – that, go into that in terms of the Mm -hmm. dollar sign. But the fact of the matter is procrastination does cost money and cost productivity, which is money. So let me ask you, Chaz, um, how are you with procrastination? Man, don't do this to me. (laughs) Don't don't procrastinate in answering either. (laughs) Uh, So um, when I am home, all right, Mm -hmm. this is, this is what's kind of ironic. It's easier to procrastinate. Right. Okay. So when I'm home, it's easier to procrastinate. Although I'm actually not much of one anymore. I'm, okay. I'm really, really not. Um, and that, so let's be clear, that's because of the flexibility we have with our jobs and how, you know, everybody's busy. But when we travel and things like that, I get more work done on an airplane because it's quiet. I've got my headphones on and I literally can't go anywhere or do anything different. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm flying. Um, but there was a time where I was unbelievably um, willing and able to procrastinate, <laughs> and I did. Yeah. So, but we'll we'll talk more about that, right? So, yeah. Um, but as far as the cost goes from a business perspective, like you walk through any organization and you can see. Uh, especially now or even pre-COVID, when you'd walk through an office or whatever, you can visibly see people who just aren't working. Oh right? yeah. And, yeah. and if they're not working, who knows the source, but I think a lot of that would be contributed to procrastination. And I wonder, Hey, what's the source of that? Right? Like what's yeah, the but source? Is it procrastination or is it being distracted? That's the thing. Uh, could be both. Right. Yeah. Uh, if, if distraction, like you, sometimes we actively choose to be distracted, like by our phone, by social media, other things yeah. like that. I mean, so th- that in some ways is procrastination, but I do believe distraction plays a critical role in this you know, for like our HR and payroll and, and ops people, they're being pulled in a million different directions. I don't Mm -hmm. think they're intentionally procrastinating when they've got, you know, a list that never stops growing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think I learned to procrastinate in college. Oh, tell me more. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's the first time. So when you're, when you're young, when you're, you know, if the, you're in traditional household where you're home and, and then you go to school and you have ske- a schedule to, to sort of meet, yep. um, you have really little autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're having people tell you where to be and when you need to be there. Well, when you get to college, or at least back when I was in college, undergrad, yeah. um, it's about 
it's about having to police yourself in terms of making sure that you, you do what you need to do when you need to do it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And it's that autonomy. And I think that, um, the autonomy, while it's everybody wants it, everybody wants to have that freedom to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Um, not, not everybody has a self-discipline to, to do that. No, that's a really good point. And I, I know when we, I know you just wrote a blog about this, right? Analysis paralysis and, and making decisions, right? And how procrastination really plays a role in that. We'll probably go into more of that here in a second. I think what, what you, you mentioned self-discipline, right? Mm-hmm. We're taught within the confines of the the school system that's out there, you know, you, you learn within certain hours of a day, then you have your extracurriculars, then you do your homework and you repeat that cycle, you know, for nine months a year mm-hmm. with breaks in between, or, you know, for those schools that do it for year round. And, and that's how we're brought up, right? At least, you know, here in the States, it's how we're brought up. Then college, right? So when I mentioned earlier, as you just mentioned, um, you, you have a lot more freedom, right? Like you have a significant amount more freedom. Like you're new, this young adult, your brain is actually still developing as you, you know, if you enter college at the 18, 19 year old, like your brain is still developing. Yeah. And then you have like this whole new world, yeah. right? That is where I learned to procrastinate was college because, yeah. because I wanted to be, you know, we're all know I'm type A, right? So like, I want to be social. I want to go talk. I want to go meet people. I want to do all of the things that have absolutely nothing to do with studying or writing a paper or doing a project. And thus I would look at a deadline and say, I wonder how close I can cut it to do all of the other things. Honestly, it became a game for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and college is also where I learned about prioritization um, and what you need to prioritize. And I don't know that I always get that right, even to this day, um, but it's definitely something that we have to do. So just in case you guys didn't figure this out yet, um, you guys, meaning the listeners, um, Mm -hmm. and I mean that um, everyone, right? Not just guys. um, We're talking today about analysis paralysis and procrastination. Um, And analysis by paralysis, basically, are you overthinking before you're making decisions and doing things? Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's really good because when we talk about procrastination, I think – we put off things, you know what I mean? To make decisions because they're hard. And I know we'll talk about that in just a second, but you'd mentioned self-discipline at what point, at what point for you, and you, you said you may not have the perfect mix or potion or whatever right now, but like, at what point were you recognizing, you know, I am a procrastinator and thus I have to institute (sighs) self-discipline. Probably up right when it's up until the deadline. Yeah. Um, although I will, I will tell you this, Chaz. For me personally, I work better under pressure. I produce better under pressure, but that doesn't necessarily help with my levels of stress. Self-induced pressure, though, if it's procrastination. Yeah, but it's I don't. But there are so many times where I'll be up against a deadline up until this day, sure. and I'll know I know that I'll knock it out of the park in terms of the content and everything like that. But getting to that point, getting it finished, the amount of stress, stress and pressure that I put on myself, mm-hmm. um, is that good for my mental health? Is the question? I, I probably not. Um, mm-hmm. I remember in I mean, if we go back to college, you know, I was an English major. I think I've mentioned that on the show before, but. Um, I used to have to write papers. I mean, tons of papers. And there were times I pulled literal all-nighters writing these papers. Um, I, I remember. My 
I chair sleep too much. Never it's was not that I thing. wanted to. It's right. just that that's what that's what happened, right? I mean, I had to. It was that pressure that I put on myself. So when I think about business and how I operate today, I don't pull all nighters. I couldn't do that at this point. Um, but the, yeah, there are definitely times. You know, you and I, Chaz, we know we have so many deadlines that we have to hit for certain things. Yeah, you know, and there are definitely times where I will run up to that point. Now, I will say what I've noticed with you, Chaz is that you are mu- a much better planner than me. You're much better in terms of getting things done. And I, you may not know this, but I oftentimes rely on you um, to make sure that I get things done. That's <laughs> Don't it's share our truth. trade secrets. Don't share our trade secrets. It's the truth. It's, well, it's the accountability, truth. right? Like we, you yeah. know, we do a lot of things together mm-hmm. too. And the, and the reality of it is, I think the beauty of autonomy and having a, a good team and good working relationship, you have one procrastinator, you have one that isn't. I think the key to all of this dynamic is recognizing those strengths, right? And it's not to say that you desire to procrastinate. Heck, no. I work better with a deadline too. But, you know, for me, my my transition point was when uh, my junior year of college, I don't, you know, there were some things and events that happened in my life where I was like, man, I really, I need to get this together, right? Yeah. And that's what ended up leading me into project management. And, and then I was just brainwashed by project management methodology in a lot of ways that really fit my working style. So if I'm good at that, why would I not, you know, support my team or you or others? You know what I mean? So, and that leads us to a discussion about how we can utilize people's strengths and weaknesses. I'm not, I I don't want to give the impression that I just procrastinate with everything. That might be the impression. You don't, you don't, you don't, I I hit my deadline. But we, yeah, (laughs) everyone knows somebody who does though. You know what I mean? In the workplace. Right. But you know, Chaz and I being coworkers, being Mm -hmm. colleagues, we do help each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we do play off of each other's strengths. And yeah. I think that's important when you look at teammates and look at the composition of teams to put people together um, who maybe do have some competing interests or competing strengths and weaknesses, if you will. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really important because I think for our listeners, it's like, okay, we've all experienced procrastination. Like, how is this going to help us? Let's, uh, Julie, let's talk about like delaying decisions. Okay. okay. So, so I think a lot of times in organization, I shouldn't say, I think I know a lot of times in organizations, um, we struggle with delaying small decisions. And when mm-hmm. you and I were prepping for this episode, we, we recognize like if it takes less than five minutes to make a decision, then you should probably knock it out. And, and it's not just making a decision. It's, it's really any task. I know Dr. Chris Mullen, the executive director of the WFI is a firm believer in this too, where if we can avoid delaying anything, that's good because it keeps momentum. But I also like, can you share just some of your experience, especially around the timing and delaying small decisions, like what you've seen and what you've experienced to, to help avoid that procrastination? Yeah. I mean, I I haven't always been great at it, of course, but I, I think that, you know, what I've started to learn when making decisions or what I've thought of and like how how big is the impact of the decision yeah right how big is the impact is this going to matter a week a month mm-hmm. a year from now mm-hmm. and you know if the answer is is yes to a week from now let's go right, right. let's make this decision today let's figure it out i think that so often the paralysis by analysis or analysis paralysis however you right. want to say it Right. It happens because we're afraid of making the wrong choice. Yeah. And so, so what happens is we don't make any choice at all. Do and, and yeah, 
And so again, and that goes to my, my speech chats that I do on the cost of doing nothing in HR, you know, mm-hmm. the cost of doing nothing in HR is it's when you're on autopilot, you're doing things comfortable, comfortably, cause that's the way you've always done them. And so you're not going to make a change. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I, I will say this in, in my experience to being a consultant, right. Cause sometimes we're the equalizer in the room, mm-hmm. you know, we're the equalizer and it's like, Hey, I want to hear what they have to say. I, when it comes to decision-making just in general, small or large, I think we inflate them bigger than what they really are. Like we inflate the decision yeah. to being bigger than what they really are. And and that really begs my question is why? Like what is influencing us internally, the decision maker, I, yeah. to make that a larger deal? I can right? tell you so, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah. I can tell you exactly. So in some in some instances, when we're talking mm-hmm. about business decisions, which is what we are talking about. Right it has to do with the culture of fear of being afraid of making the wrong decision, the culture that's been instilled in people um, that, Oh, if you make this wrong decision, you know, you may get slapped on the wrist. You may lose your job. You may get demoted, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing, because they've seen it happen before. Yeah. And that's the issue. And that's what we need to try to avoid. You know, in business, Chaz, we've got to look at, (laughs) we've got to look at mistakes as learning experiences. Yes. I, and I and opportunities for growth. I, I I completely agree. Where where I really struggle with some of this too is at what point did it become fearful? Right when it comes to making the wrong decision, at what point was it? Hey, if you make the wrong decision, you're no longer going to be. No, I get it. If 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 there's you know the three strike rule or you know whatever else, but for whatever reason, that seems to be a a theme that carries on with almost every organization I've worked with. That's why I can't make a wrong decision because it impacts so many. Okay, great. But we also can't delay it. So if you're trying to make this decision on your own, maybe reach out to a new resource, maybe reach out to people like you and I reach out to, to mentors, or if you don't have those individuals, obviously Julie and I are here for, to, to walk through that with you. But this idea that we're, we're going to lose something if mm-hmm. I think really drives that fear and that fear thus mm-hmm. makes it bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's where that inflation comes in, where it, where it's influencing our mind, our heart, our being, whatever to, to, to make it larger than what it actually is. Does that make sense? It does. If you think about, you know, for our listeners, think about a decision that you've been delaying making, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's business, whether it's life and really think about why. Why is the, what is the real reason is, are there barriers to progress that are too difficult to overcome or are they just, are you just perceiving that they're too difficult to overcome? Mm -hmm. Are you afraid? And if you are afraid, what is it that you're afraid of? Mm -hmm. Think about what the all possible outcomes could be of making a decision. When we're talking about decisions at work, right? There are many possible outcomes. We can do that. We can write it down. We can type it out pros and cons. We can come up with expected outcomes as well mm-hmm. versus what are the actual outcomes. And it's just a, just something that I, I would recommend. Yeah. It, it goes back to, you remember, you, excuse me, you remember in math, it was the if then statements, right? Like if no, this happens then or, or physics, right? Like yeah. reaction, action, um, a, a, action, reaction, golly, I'm struggling today. But the point, my point is you talked about expected outcomes, start with yourself 
and then bring others in, right? Potentially mm-hmm. the ones that it could impact mm-hmm. um, in a positive way within a trusting environment, you know, in a confidential environment that, that you know, somebody's not going to go out to the front line and say, you would not believe. I mean, you know how that goes. I also think about that that fear and that capacity that we have and how much procrastination or analysis paralysis impacts our mental health. True. It does. And yeah. I think, and I, I, I hit on that earlier, but think about how much easier it would be if you actually have data to back up your decisions. Ooh. You see what now I'm saying? Getting, so, now you're getting into my realm. Uh-huh. I know. I know. Right. Well, I'm just thinking from a, from a tech perspective, if you have data to back up your decisions, if you're spending time tracking things at your work or what, you know, in your department, wherever, having that data, having that information makes it so much easier to explain, this is why, this is why I did it. Because you're not able to say, I did it because this is what I think is right. You're saying, I did it because this is what the numbers are telling me. Right. And then, and then, so let me play advocate here, right? Let me play devil's advocate here. Well, those numbers are wrong. Well, that's why you have to have trusted data ah, <laughs> and you have to make sure. Good data in is good data out. Bad data in is bad data out. You have to make sure that you're utilizing an HRIS system, HCM system that is reliable and, um, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when when it comes to data and decision making and you think about how it's impacting your mental health, uh, because of the fear driven nature or the pressure that people are feeling from burnout or, you know, the organization, the pace of change that people are dealing with, where I think we have to take a step back is with, we have to look at what's going on in our surroundings. Right. Mm -hmm. And you actually talk about this in surge capacity. Can you just briefly describe that real quick? Oh, surge capacity. Yeah. Um, yeah. That collection of adaptive systems within us that we draw upon in acutely stressful situations to basically renew our, um, our, renew our our strength and our energy. And when we're in a, we're in something like a pandemic, um, we don't have a way to renew our surge capacity because it's a perpetual problem. It's a perpetual stress. So that also affects decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're so stressed out and we have so many competing interests within our minds um, in terms of decision-making, you know, it might be a, a personal decision, could be a family decision, mm-hmm. could be a life decision, could be a work decision, could be a career decision. I mean, we, we, we're just all stressed out. All of us are. Yeah. And so, so if you take that, if you're stressed and you have burnout and your surge capacity is, is depleted, mm-hmm. right? We know that it's going to impact our mental health. We also know that it, we're going to make decisions because we think we know versus the trusted data or the trusted sources that we have to make a decision based on, you know, XYZ scenario that the data has been provided to us, right? So, when I think about this and I, it really does make it harder, the more tired, the, the more that our surge capacity is depleted. I actually give a talk on ethics about like ethical decision-making. What does that mean? You know, now, mm-hmm. and, and where I, where I kind of take this is, okay, what you we've admitted that we're not the same person we were two and a half years ago, right? Like we admit, we know that we're not the same person from two and a half years ago. So if that's the case, are we making ethical decisions because we're making decisions at such a rapid pace because we're tired, because we have no surge capacity? Is that ethical, right? Is that ethical? And and then I take it a step further to kind of do this assessment of, okay, what, what are you really afraid of? 
right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you really afraid of? Because nobody around you expects you to be perfect, right? Right. Well, that's the pressure that we all put on ourselves. And and, and again, you know, I get that. But my, my point is, if everyone around you doesn't expect it, we need to assess like what we're afraid of. To, to then say, okay, we can make the small decisions first. Small decision is a, is a micro habit to me, right? Like it's a micro habit. Instead, we decide to delay and then it becomes procrastination where if we have a little bit of self-awareness and we're open enough to ourselves, we can recognize it, own it, take responsibility for it. And then if we make an error, we can, we can shift the direction or change the course, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, but then it's not procrastination because we're actively pursuing something versus, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to put it off to the side and I'll get to it when I get to it. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I think I like that. What are you afraid of? And again, I think that goes back to the decision-making thing and asking yourself, what is, why are you putting it off? Why are you putting it off? Why are you putting off making your life potentially easier? Yeah. Or let's take that the other way. Let's say it's a hard decision. Yeah. Let's say it's something that's not going to be pleasant. The longer you put it off, the more stress you're gonna have to, you're gonna put on yourself. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, Chaz. It's not there's no easy answers here, um, but paralysis by analysis is definitely a thing. Yeah, we overthink a lot. Right. We overthink a lot. And and the point is when we're overthinking a lot, we have to make minor adjustments. All right. I'm going to tell you what my purpose is right now because we're getting to the (laughs) end. But so, so, so my purpose is when we, when we start to recognize that we're overthinking, it's how do we make minor adjustments to stop doing that? And I genuinely believe that one, we have to address that. Yes, we do procrastinate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, first step is admission. Like we do procrastinate. But if there are things that take us a short amount of time that doesn't require a ton of data, or even if it does, right? Like, you know, do you have dashboards? Do you have things that you can visually see that are going to help navigate that decision? Then make the decision. And if you yeah. make a mistake, hopefully you work in an environment that that is going to be accepting of that. And then you change it, right? To me, there's an old adage that it's only a, a mistake if it's an error that goes uncorrected, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to to correct that error before it becomes a mistake, um, that's going to help avoid this analysis paralysis. And most importantly, that leads to the procrastination and not doing what's best for your organization. Jules. That, that, that's quite a takeaway there. Um, yeah, my takeaway is simple and that's uh, overthinking and overanalyzing mm-hmm. is a thief of productivity. Um, so just making sure that we're, trying to not do that. And when we have something to do, you know, to get done, to just do it. Um, And, you know, sort of make sure that we're thoughtful about it. um, But recognizing that making a decision oftentimes and carrying out that decision is better. You're better off than doing nothing at all. Yeah, that's awesome. Jules, take us home. Yeah, I'm going to take us home here, Chaz. So you reminded for relief and i want to make this a little bit different this time uh make sure to if you wouldn't mind uh give us a review um if you wouldn't mind just shooting a a, a great review for us right <laughs> um on on uh on wherever you're listening to, to the podcast and in addition um don't forget to like and subscribe and use the hashtag people purpose pod on social media sites like twitter and linkedin also be sure to check out the latest blogs and research from the Workforce Institute at UKG by visiting workforceinstitute.org. Chaz, let's not procrastinate. Thanks for listening, (laughs) y'all. Cheers, bye. 